Cameron Brooks, and on behalf of the Cameron Brooks team, welcome back to another edition of the Cameron Brooks podcast, Above and Beyond. On this podcast, we really uh, strive to bring information by interviewing successful um, men and women in the business world who made a transition from the military and are bringing a lot of their military experience to bear in uh, very successful careers within corporate America. And so today, I interview Mike McCauley. Mike is a former Army field artillery officer. He has an industrial distribution degree from Texas A&M University, and he's an industrial engineer at Michelin. And so it's a great conversation because we cover a, a wide range of topics, but we really kind of start with what he does. What does an industrial engineer do at Michelin, and specifically in a manufacturing or in a production environment? So we dig into what is manufacturing, what is production, how does that relate into what he's doing in his day-to-day. We also talk about career progression, and he has some advice and kind of ways to think about career progression, as well as we, uh, I asked him what book he recently read, and he talked about uh, industries of the future and using data to measure everything. And so even talking about Michelin, which is a high quality tire company and using data and information to really hear the voice of their customer and make the highest quality and best products that they can make. Um, so we cover, again, we cover a lot of ground, uh, but, it's a, but it's a podcast that I hope you'll enjoy and I think you'll take a lot from it. If you want to know a little bit more about Cameron Brooks, you can find us on our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. You can also check out PCS to Corporate America, written by Roger Cameron, co-authored by Joel Junker and our present CEO, Chuck Alvarez. It's now in its fourth edition. Find it on Amazon. And it's really chock full of about 80 years worth of military officer recruiting experience that can help you if you're thinking about transitioning from the military, help you learn more about what the business world is looking for and how to prepare to meet the business world if you so choose. So hopefully this uh, podcast is valuable. I know you'll take a lot from what Mike has to say. Without further ado, here's Mike McCauley. All right, Mike, thanks so much. Welcome to the Cameron Brooks Podcast, and I really appreciate uh, you spending a couple of minutes with me. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Pete, and I'm excited. Excellent, excellent. Well, you, you know, I've I've already given your background on the intro, but uh, so you transitioned um, out of the army two years ago. Can you start by just sharing with us a little bit about your military background and where you're coming from? Sure. I I went to uh, was in Texas A&M Corps of Cadets, and then uh, branch my my number one choice, which was field artillery, and then. Quickly uh, found myself in Iraq as a, actually as a mechanized infantry platoon leader, which was common for my year group as we left uh, Cannon's home. And then um, going forward after the career course, I was lucky enough to be an instructor, part of the officer instructor group at the fire center at Fort Sill. And then when I transitioned out, I was actually a task force FSO and 1st Brigade, 1st Cavalry Division. Gotcha. And now you've been an industrial engineer at Michelin for the last couple of years. Um, can you speak to a little bit about your a little bit about the transition and really your decision to go with Michelin? How, how did all that play out? Obviously, you attended a career Cameron Brooks career conference back in April of 2015. How did all that play out for you? That played out really well. Um, the um, 
the transition's ongoing, just like well, I learned with you in, in a couple years back. I mean, so three to five years, I think, is appropriate. You guys are right on. So I'm at coming up on the two-year mark. Family and then really having a plan uh, it has helped me tremendously. So I'm right on track. I'm right on track in that plan developed w with you and the team. And then um, my wife and three kids and my mom and dad have all been on board to, to help me through through, uh, like I said, the ongoing transition. So it's all positive there, n nothing too significant to report. But uh, Michelin, though, the decision to go with Michelin was really fortunately and, and positively looking back was a tough decision to make. And just because there were many choices, which is a good thing. Uh, but um, the big the big reasons, uh, it's a, it is a technical challenge. That is... Uh, you, I don't know if you'd, you'd believe it. I didn't necessarily believe it at first about making tires, but it is it is very technical, and there's a lot of leadership opportunity, particularly in the factory I'm in right now, which is in Armour, Oklahoma. Um, they had a they the the um, recruiting uh, had a very defined glide path, and the industrial engineering metier or discipline, as they call it, is uh, uh, what's what attracted me. So they have a formal industrial engineering school. It's about a year, <clears throat> so big commitment, but one that I was excited to do, and then they do Greenbelt uh, and, and get you right in all of the industrial engineers into a real-world project. Um, mm -hmm. I was on, or I am on, what they call the Leadership Pipeline Program, so I, I have some an increased responsibilities, and, and, uh, and, I, and I enjoy that piece. Uh, quickly, it was made, made uh, apparent to me uh, by everybody in the organization through, through the interviewing process back with, with our team um, at the Cameron Brooks Career Conference, all the way through hiring and then through that first year of of schooling and and indoctrination uh it's it, it is obvious that Michelin North America is a learning organization and they are focused purely on progress and improvement and and that that was an environment that I, and and a and a, a, a something I I valued in the company and then lastly it was manufacturing I remember talking with you about this but this you know all the different options uh, from the career conference this is manufacturing so 24 hours a day seven days a week um, can be I think intimidating to a lot of people particularly when they're bringing them into the leadership pipeline but for for our background or my background it uh, it just fit so I enjoy it I, I like feeling needed and I, I and that that high pressure um, meeting the customer demand and and team environment uh, is something I really wanted and I have that now when you say feeling needed, Mike, what do you what do you mean by that? I mean, I, I can obviously assume what you mean, but tell me more. Yeah, well, it's the, the because of um, well, there are a number of reasons, but uh, in in this dynamic environment uh, where we're dealing with wage operators from from brand 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 new train at 56 hours of training all the way through the 20 30 year uh, uh, veteran, um, there's a there's a great deal. Of, um, uh, of of experience needed, I think, when you're leading in that environment. And my background and the background of all you know teammates coming through our program um, is is really fit perfectly for this. And the ability to individualize and communicate from that that 56-hour wage operator that just walked through the turnstile all the way up to the plant manager and the North American Tactical Group uh, seamlessly, naturally. Uh, is something that's a that's a strength for me, and that uh, frankly is needed every day here. And it's a it's a strength of mine, and because of that, um, I enjoy coming to work every day, feeling that I'm part of the team. I add value, which is big, and I think we all well, I don't think I'm confident we all need that. Uh, and yeah. and then I'm able to go home at night to to rate my wife and kids and feel like I did something and 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 made you know a a contribution. 
Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned the, the breadth of experience of some of the team members that you're working with from, you know, the, that person who, I think you said 56 hours and, and they're, they're probably on the line to that 30, 20, 30 year vet. You know, that sounds a lot like the military to me, right? Whether you're working with, you know, a, a newly enlisted soldier all the way up to a command sergeant major. Do you, do you feel like there's a lot of parallel where you, I guess, let me ask that differently. Were you able to extrapolate a lot of your military experiences and immediately apply them at Michelin? I was, and I am, and it, it was it really in most ways, particularly in the manufacturing environment, um, there were the skill sets directly transferable. And there's, I mean, really, there's three big things, Pete, that I think of, and not to get too 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 wordy, but the first is the perspective that we bring from from our background when we come to an environment like this. So we have a different view. I have a different view than many of the teammates here, um, particularly on decision making, priority setting. And true problem, both recognition and solving. That that sometimes can get lost. And it, it is it is high pressure. I don't want to take anything away from this. Now this it isn't leading a platoon in Iraq, but it's it, it is right. it, it is very very intensive. And and there's a a real customer. There's a there's a real need, and there are real pressures. Um, the second big thing that stands out is people. So I can work with anyone, uh, pretty much anywhere, and I do so well. Uh, you know, the Army is very good at teaching all of us. Uh, individualization, individualization, and listening skills, and so they reinforced that in me. It was, I mean, started young at 18, putting on a khaki uniform at A&M, all the way through transitioning just two years ago, and that I would argue is just as important, if not maybe more important here, because we're not as formal. There's, there's not a real hierarchy. It's, it's a uh, sometimes difficult to tell who's in a leadership position, who isn't. So sure. that, that, that ability to individualize is mm -hmm. absolutely critical. And then the third is discipline. And what I mean more specifically in that definition is consistency of action. And I mean that in all things. So the Army officer transitioning, and, and I've had this feedback from key leaders on the plant staff and otherwise, um, that the, our ability, that those of us that come from, from that background, um, to, to, to perform consistently, both in public and in private, very important, both of those pieces, is, is rare and it's extremely appreciated. And even in my short time here, I've seen where that's tripped some very talented uh, um, uh, leaders up. And that's, that's something that we all do pretty well. And those are areas, Pete, that I translated uh, uh, very naturally and started yeah. day one. Didn't, didn't, need any, didn't need any help there. Yeah, it was seem pretty seamless. I want to ask you two more, more manufacturing-oriented questions. The first one is, you talked earlier about um, you know, customer demand, and then just now as you were walking through that perspective, you talked about there is a real customer, there is a real need, there is you know, um, uh, demand for precision. What is the interplay? You know, I, I think a lot of people who don't know much about the production environment um, don't don't see, or or maybe it's a little bit harder to see the connection between the actual customer and the production operation. Can you can you speak to that interplay? Because my assumption is customers aren't walking through the facility every day, right? So what what does that look like in terms of some of that pressure, some of that um, that demand that the customers have? have and how is that translated? Well, as we uh, get now we're in 2017, so Michelin North America divine, uh, defines uh, what they call pillars of success or what we call pillars of success. 
and the voice of the customer uh, for those with Greenbelt training and progress training is is uh, paramount and and all the tools used and all of the the, the basics of of of, of that skill set and here our our customer uh, is is a distribution center okay we use Costco Walmart all, all the all the all the big ones and we also have uh, original equipment manufacturers so for we do we do the truck tires we're a a light truck and passenger car plants with the tires I happen to make, but we make all product lines uh, through North America. Now, uh, to make sure I answer your question, Pete, so that, that how do we feel that on a daily basis? We feel it very much in the standards, our extreme quality culture. Uh, and I say that because speaking with um, teammates and in, in, uh, really in work that work for competitors, um, some very high-functioning competitors, are don't have the the quality standards that Michelin has, and that that's been the case since the late 19th century. It's what sets Michelin apart um, in, in this industry. And that, if that doesn't speak to what the customer uh, uh, wants, expects, needs, and why you pay all that, I mean, everybody knows who's listening. I'm sure how expensive Michelin tires are. The reason for that, frankly, is the quality, and because we care about the voice of the customer, and because the mm -hmm. customers and everything that we're doing, and it just so happens to be that my role as an industrial engineer. Um, and, and as a, a pipeline leader in that discipline, uh, we we are the gatekeepers of the standard. We're the gatekeepers of the work method. We're the gatekeepers of the cost, the productivity, everything that makes us viable and competitive as a business. And uh, th th those are some real ways that I, I feel it's manifested. Uh, and the, the environment here is similar to what we all know back in uniform in that we don't stop. I mean, yes, we shut down for Christmas and whatnot, but we also took block leave at Christmas. So the, the the analogies for a garrison army compared to the manufacturing environment, I think, are comparable uh, okay. in terms of the in terms of the rhythm, the demand, and the, the expectations of your of your of your people and teammates. Okay. I just want to say one thing real quick. I I you, you saw talked about you know Michelin tires being more expensive, and and yeah, they are. But I remember. Uh, I don't know, three years ago or so, I was in a discount tire um, yeah. here in San Antonio, and and the Michelins, uh, they were only a couple hundred bucks more, and I was talking to the guy, and I'm sure he was trying to upsell me. I have no idea, but I was like, yeah, why not? Let's get the Michelin. And I got to tell yeah. you, from that moment till this moment and beyond, now both of my vehicles have Michelin tires. My kids, my 15-year-old my daughter is going to get a car in the not-too-distant future. She's going to put Michelin tires. It, it, you know, relative to the quality of the product that you get, in my opinion, it's not all that much more expensive, frankly. I mean, it's pretty, it's relatively comparable. Um, but, uh, you know, based on my experience, not just because you work there, Mike, but it certainly helps. <laughs> yeah, right. Based on my experience, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm a customer for life because that's what you get. You That's what you pay for, and that's what you get the quality. So anyway, that's, we don't have to go too far down that road, but I just want to kind of uh, stand on that point because, because you know, I'm, I'm living proof, and I, I'm sure you are as well. So um, let me ask you this. Te to help us understand what you do, you, you started to dig into that just now, and you talked about being a gatekeeper. What is an industrial engineer at Michelin? The mission of our department is to increase productivity while reducing cost. Okay. So um, we have – it's very similar, and I, gotta, I watch this as part of uh, – careful making analogies to the Army, but I think with our audience here it's completely appropriate. It's very similar to the fire support officer role in that 
we work and live here as an industrial engineer in our group. There's 24 of us in a, in a, in a facility that has 2,000 people. Um, there are eight different shops, everything from mixing we receive uh, from carbon black that comes in the north end of the plant all the way to the tire that goes out of the south end of the plant. We do it all. And so each one of those shops has a shop manager. It's like a commander and has the commander and that shop manager has a staff. An industrial engineer, an area industrial engineer is assigned to that shop manager. However, they report okay. to the industrial engineering manager. So that's a little bit of the structure. And how that works is they, they and my teammates, me and my teammates, we will support our respective shop managers on a daily basis, and then the and we focus on what we say we have an a, an 80-20 model, and and we struggle with this, but 80% of the time is focused on progress, so increasing productivity for the machines and people that run them, or and or reduce cost the cost of doing business in that area. It may have only four right. machines, it may have 40 machines, it doesn't matter. Okay. It's whatever shop they're working in or I'm working in, and then. Uh, at, at the, the other 20% is the firefighting or the performance piece, which is we have a lot of technical smart people that work for the industrial engineering department, and, and our team, my team here, will go out um, to their respective shops and help problem solve, troubleshoot, firefight in real time. And so that, that's a little bit of the idea, but we, uh, we do not rotate on, on crew. If that, that's right. another piece that usually comes up. We don't rotate. Right. However... It, it, their expectation, there are expectations for night and weekends. Now that's not consistent. It is a very fair, very very fair, daily, weekly, monthly rhythm. But uh, I mean, an example is I tell you right, we, you know, have a party tomorrow um, for my daughter, and then and Sunday I'll be back in here. Um, but I, I will uh, to, because there is a big issue with one of our tread lines. So that that's an uh -huh. that's a, a tangible example here. I'm looking at right now as I get ready to go to the weekend. So yeah, we do that. Right. So hey, similar similar to the past life, right? But it um. But still reasonable, and and I will I'll be candid. I'll, I will make the time up next week. I will I'll make sure I, I I go spend family time. So that we're we're big on that balance. Well, and that's one of the things. I'm glad you said that. That's not where I was going to go next. But boy, that is the truth. You know, in the business world, you know, we you can say with with confidence, hey, you know, I've got to handle this issue on Sunday before things ramp on Monday or whatever your your schedule is. But at the same time, you will make it up next week, and it won't be. It won't be in secret. It won't be, you know, hey, I really feel bad about this. It's like, no, I'm, it's okay. I want you, your boss, hey, I want you to take care of your family. I right. think that's one of the significant quality of life differences that I have heard and even I have experienced between my time in the military versus my time in corporate America. I agree. Uh, yeah. Along the same lines, uh, as you were describing your role and what you're involved in, especially in terms of continuous process improvement, you mentioned Six Sigma earlier in the conversation. Two questions. One, were you trained in some sort of continuous process improvement methodology prior to getting out of the military? And also, then, what has your training been and, and really more your application been since being at Michelin? Uh, first answer, or for, to answer your first question, no. Uh, my background at Texas A&M was industrial distribution engineering technology, but then I went seven and a half years active as an artillery officer, so there, there was nothing there. I was not Greenbelt certified. A lot of my peers were. I was right. not. Uh, but the, the glide path in Michelin, North America, is very prescriptive, and I appreciate that. Um, so especially coming I, – I enjoyed my time in the schoolhouse at the fire center. We have a very uh, methodical approach to getting a, a new industrial engineer uh, for North America – and going to one central schoolhouse, which is in Greenville, our headquarters, Greenville, South Carolina. And that was a year. That was a year of process improvement training. Now, okay. when I went through it 
just two years ago, this is how much change, this is a good example of how much change the company um, um, uh, goes through, is that when I went through, the anticipation is we go through, you go, it's they call time to verification and then qualification. I'm all the way through that. Now it includes a green belt portion through Georgia Tech. So okay. what's happening is, is this summer, in fact, July, I'm, go, I'm going to get to attend the week-long training and already have a project queued up to then go before a panel and be certified as a green belt, and then with the anticipation here in the next couple of years that they move me along towards black belt. So we're actually getting more, getting our, our systems, even even the vernacular we use and, and the twist on Michelin that, we, that we, we, we typically put on things, we're trying to get more in line with industry. Let's talk a little bit about um, – and I, just, I guess I just want to ask you one more question about manufacturing. Um, you, you had talked about, you know, a bit of misconception about what people think about manufacturing. And, you know, your, your um, industrial distribution undergraduate degree probably gave you some phenomenal insight. Many of the military officers that we partner with don't have that. And certainly manufacturing roles are not the only type of role we represent. Uh, you know, you can vouch for that. You came to the conference and interviewed for a multitude of roles, manufacturing or at least that environment was just one of them. But can you help That's right. Can you help those listening um, better understand why you chose, not necessarily Michelin, but why you chose to be in manufacturing and, and maybe help them to see what a, what a day in the life would look like and, and the things that are attractive to you about being in your, um, in your functional profession? I want... And I needed, like I said earlier, that the, the feeling of being part of something bigger than myself, making something tangible. I, I enjoy a high-pressure environment. I think most of us did, especially I, I joined an army at war like many of my peers. It, it, it's something that from 18 years old to 31 years old I, I was involved with. And the thought of leaving that behind, taking the uniform off and coming to a manufacturer or, or correction, make, you know, making the transition to anywhere in industry and yeah. not having that. Um, worried me. And when I started thinking in, uh, about the different areas that I could go and at the career conference and beyond when, when I was making decisions on which offers to accept, the biggest consideration that I had was, well, what do I see myself doing 5, 10, you know, 15 years from now, uh, if that sure. long, but really just what, what am I looking at? And what I found is I wanted to be part of a team. I wanted a leadership challenge that was similar to the kind that I had before, and I wanted uh, an, an environment that was relatively high pressure, but I could still keep the balance that I needed. Not, we're not um, uh, talking about the, 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 some of the exact pressures that we all have you know, had while wearing a uniform, but pretty similar here, and that attracted me. So the day, I mean, to, 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 to kind of pivot is um, I come in, usually this, this could speak to the audience, I think, if they're hearing, is I do PT hours probably three days a week. So I come in about 5.30, and then that is because our shift rotation starts from 7 a.m., 7 p.m. So for me to touch base with operators that I'm working with that are on the night shift, they rotate every 28 days. So in order to see them, you have to have some offset schedule. So I, it's, it's natural for me. We've all done it for many years. And, and so I, I wake up, and that's very much appreciated, by the way. This is not the no, complete sure. norm. So, so this right. is me and a few others that are like us in our background. We come in, and it's very much appreciated here. And so we come in. The other days, I come in after seven o'clock, and then when I work till the work is done, I coach my son's baseball team. So I don't, I don't want to paint a picture of unreasonable hours, but, but it is it, it, that that that, um, that 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 constant drive, the fact that this plant is always humming, uh, I excites me. And it and it there's there's a, a lot of the skill sets, many many of the skill sets learned in the army. 
directly apply here. And it also just goes back to how to how to motivate people in difficult conditions. It's manual. It's three o'clock in the morning half the time these guys are out there building. Guys and gals are out building tires, doing the things they need to do. It, uh, it is it is it is they, we say climate control, but to be candid, in, a, in Oklahoma summer, I think you know as well as I do, just like in Texas, it's pretty brutal. Okay, and then yeah. they they have a uniform standard. Like we have a uniform standard. They have safety standards: steel toes, yeah, eyes, and ears. I mean, so all of these things um, translate. And I let's we get down to the basics. And I felt more comfortable. I just did. It just it, it yeah. made me feel more more at home that I was going to be doing something that was close to what I had learned since I was 18. Sounds so good. Okay, so you've spent a lot of time helping me see what you do and and helping me to appreciate your transition and and all of the things that played well. What about any surprises when you got, you know, it's all been very positive, and I guess this isn't a negative question per se, but what surprised you? You know, here you are two years in at this point. What what surprised you when you first made the transition? Well, really a a couple things. So the, the biggest one is there's no more field artillery branch manager to call. So what I mean by that is we, you know, and I cut my teeth coming in and then also as an army brat with my father in for 30 years. So a life that I knew was, was, was all defined. Um, most variables are out in front, very difficult and a lot of obstacles as we all know and can attest that, that have served. But uh, the path to battalion command, let me just cut to the chase, is very well defined for a field artillery officer. I know what I have to do, where I have to go, what I have to get on my performance evaluations, what schools I must attend, what I need on my, my, my evaluations and positions to serve in to make a battalion commander. It is not clear at all what my path is if I want to be a plant manager <clears throat> or beyond. That it is it is it is it is very much opaque. And that uh is something I'm still adjusting to and I, I'm I'm fortunate enough I have a mentor right now that is, that is helping me navigate uh, uh you know this 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 kind of winding road. Um but this I'll tell you that the what I've seen so far in those less than two years, so still very new. But um, everyone that is plant manager beyond what we call the North American Tactical Group or product line leaders and et cetera, I mean, the path that they took to get to where they are every time I go to conferences, and there's there's some traveling involved here. So every time we're in the same room, I mean, their paths are as varied as their personality. So it's right. it's that's different for someone like – or people like us that come from, from, from a different background. And then the second piece – is the performance appraisals, Pete? That was a little different. So you know, I'm I'm very much used. Army is very good about feedback. Geez, we end we end a, a range exercise. The second lieutenant, I'm doing AARs. I'm getting feedback from my commander. I mean, it's right on the spot done. Um, we're 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 pretty good. <laughs> quarterly counseling. I remember getting beat over the head with that. But quarterly annual our counseling statements should be pretty good. And uh, you're definitely good at, at your annual evaluations. We all live and die by them. Not so much the case here at all. Uh, there is very inconsistent and infrequent feedback, and there are no more hyperbolic evaluations. It's not the you, – you don't have to be called the next chief of staff of the Army just to get picked up to go to ILE. You know? So it's, it's, uh, here it is, it is very real, um, down-to-earth. Uh, there's a lot of group linked objectives, which is different to me. So uh, group linked objectives may not even be in your discipline. But your your group linked to them because um, a per, trying to promote a, a you know cross-functional feel and th- that that's very much different. And then the other piece of that is the, the the men and women giving this feedback. I mean, I have grown up in this environment, so it's a 
I, it's a little uncomfortable for him, as we all can attest to, learning how to – I mean, I remember my first platoon sergeant and had five deployments, and there I am sitting in al-Basra trying to give him a, a, you know, an NCOER. It's intimidating, so that, that experience that we bring in is pretty rare here, and I will tell you that the feedback that I've gotten has been a pretty big surprise to me, and then it just takes a lot of maturity to um, – to, to, to just continue to push through, ask the right questions. That's on me to ask the right questions. And then based on some, you know, of course, our team and your advice too in the past is get a mentor. Don't make an excuse. Just get a mentor. Sure. I did that, and that's helped significantly. Sure. Yeah. Well, there's so much I want to try to unpack. I don't know if I have time to get all there. But let me let me dig into one point real quick. The first point that you made, you know, she, you know essentially there's no clear path to – wherever it is you want to go. And I think your point was extremely salient in that if you stayed in the military, you know, whatever goal you were trying to reach to, you know, what jobs you needed to have, your, what your performance appraisals needed to be, what schools you needed to be, all of that you said uh, is so accurate. And in the business world, you, you, to your point, you, even if you're in a leadership development program, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to follow some distinct path, and and I and, and I just want to accentuate you what you said. You know, your plant managers or, you know, their backgrounds are as varied as their personality, and that's the way it works. Because in, in my experience in business, the way that the way that you move in an organization is you well, first of all, it has to do with your performance and your results, right? You've got to deliver results, but you also have to educate yourself and build your professional network within your organization because you, as you well know Mike your next job may not be you know what the logical path is you may look across your organization and go you know I I think that I have the skill set and I've built a relationship with the manager over here I'm going to go try this thing over here which is a promotion but not necessarily on some specific defined path and and that's scary at first I think for a lot of people but I think what what once you get your hands around it, and it sounds like you've done that, once you get your hands around it, it's like, oh, man, there is so much opportunity for me to progress where I have so much more control over my progression. What What are your thoughts about that? Uh, that's the control. That, that's it. So you, you hit the nail on the head. The other piece is what's interesting is um, we're used to, if I go back to the branch manager role, if branch manager calls up and I've got requests for orders coming down. And 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 you're going here. What I found, and this is again through this is the the relationship with my with my mentor, is that it is now. You have to. I, I'm careful in how I say this because he was careful in explaining this to me. No is appropriate in many circumstances, not all, but in many circumstances, no is appropriate. An example is this. Now I have little ones, so it's not that big of a deal right now, but. I was an army brat and grew up in, in, with complete instability, and, and I, did, I did not enjoy that. And so um, I don't want to do that to my children. The company is completely on board with that and are so mature already planning out to when my little one, my, about, my daughter about to be two years old, is in high school to stabilize me. So say a need comes down, that, rec that offer may be extended. No is okay to say. So the control piece is, is, is very important I want to say there. Now, the, the other piece is… Moving laterally up, what is up? Um, that, that, that's the other. It's not always clear. Um, there, there are names and uh, and and big titles that make a lot of sense that have much less responsibility and impact than another. So it, I'm also careful there. But um, the company values diversity and values uh, service and different disciplines within the organization. This is a multinational organization that's that 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 is that is that covers the world and. The opportunity to do different things other than what I'm doing, industrial engineering, or say, going out to the production floor, which is a natural, which is a natural step 
for someone with my background to go out and, and then be a leader on the production floor that not necessary right now. You can do a, or I can do many different things. And so that's my take, Pete, is that you, you're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head is that you can do all sorts of things. And it's the old adage, just like we learned in the Army from Branch and all my commanders I've had is whatever you're doing, just be great at it. It doesn't matter what you're doing, just do well. And then, and then uh, the things will fall into place. Really well said. This is I'm going to start to wind this down because I don't want to take too much of your time. I really appreciate everything you've said. Very insightful. I've taken a lot of notes as we've been chatting, even. Um, but you, you said whatever you know, whatever you're doing, just be great at it. Talk to me a little. We, we we talked about this before we we started recording this, but talked about getting and giving advice. And you had mentioned that you had been you'd been had the opportunity to pour into other transitioning military officers lives recently what kind of advice have you been sharing with people well uh, the advice i have not just it stays consistent even even back through through my transition and very important now just for my dad is just listen more talk less and stay humble <clears throat> so a lot of people i mean pretty much everybody i remember work with working with you and our teammates um going through the transition process cameron brooks doesn't deal with with low caliber uh, candidates. So the, the 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 peers that we had there, and 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 the folks for listening, I'm sure, are are used to being called number one or in at the top of all their classes. And so we're dealing with a lot of high-powered, uh, um, uh, you know, future very successful people and presently successful. And what I would say is be careful during the transition to avoid what I call here the band camp syndrome. And what I mean by that is it can be very off-putting and can be very exclusive. If everything we do is – I'll just use the manufacturing setting in this factory. If all of my anecdotes are start off when I was in the Army, when I was in Iraq, when I was in the Corps at A&M, when I was at Airborne School, when I was in a field problem, et cetera, et cetera, it, is, it makes us come off institutionalized, and, and, it, and it makes an us-and-them um, environment, and it's, it's, it's frankly unhealthy. And I can tell you that there's one person already in my short time here, very talented officer that transitioned that has gotten himself into some trouble. From doing that, so that's the one advice I told Danny and the others that anybody that asked. In fact, just so I had dinner with two um, guys that are thinking about transitioning, Pete, you might get a phone call. But anyway, but uh, this past weekend, and that that's it. A, a watch out for the band camp syndrome. So people, when when we're in a fraternity of uh, uh, of those of us who have served, we all know the pains and the and the sacrifices that we went through. And over a cold beer, completely appropriate in the factory. Leave it out. Man, that is that is strong, and I, I really hear the passion and conviction. And obviously, you unfortunately watch watch someone on your team perhaps receive a little bit of negative pushback in, in that. So, great advice. All right, final question. I'd love to know what you're what you're working on professionally. And you're you're busy. You got a you know, you got three kids, young family, full time job. You're going into work on Sunday. I get it. You are super busy. But are you digging into a book or a blog or a podcast. What what are you up to in terms of continuing to develop professionally? Well, I I am. So I, I like to alternate. Um, so I, I like a lot of nonfiction history. Right now, I'm reading "The Earth Is Weeping" by Peter Cozen. It's really good. I'm out here in Oklahoma. I love learning about American Plains history. So that's a comprehensive look at the American Indian Wars. But relating to the audience, <clears throat> the good one I read right before that is called "Industries of the Future" by Alec Ross, and it's pretty good. And so that. I mean, just some key takeaways, Pete, as I got, is, 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 which is applicable, and I'll tie it into Michelin, is um, data is the biggest natural resource in the 21st century. And, and so in a technical company, uh, an information-driven company like Michelin, 
um, that very much rings true. And what I took away from that is it's a difficult time to be a control freak. And and so that that's also hard for people in our from our background, that particularly when things get stressful, natural inclination usually is to micromanage. Um, so that in this scenario and this in this new you know the information age that we're in not scenario but age that we're in that uh, is going to be pretty difficult so if you're if you're 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 stuck on holding on to the reins pretty tight uh, it, it might be frustrating for you and that's so that's what I took from that and then empowering people is key so and that that push down you know in the army we taught as mission command that was brand new when I was in the career course mission command no more command and control but mission command and that's pushing the decision making down to the lowest level the platoon leader outside the wire here it is empowering people and that's one of the Michelin North America pillars of success for 2016 and 17 and then th that that speaks again back to to, to the, our biggest natural resources now or natural resource now and then the four so that and then here's the, the, the last point I'll, I'll wrap up on this but the four the four big industries of the future and this is relevant for all the dads and moms um, uh, listening so I know I'm doing this for my my son and my two daughters <clears throat> it's robotics um, genomics which is genetic coding cyber security cyber arms and then big data which is making algorithms for everything and so the big the big takeaway from that and tie back to Michelin so I could tell you that in real time I I sit on a um, part of the board here for uh, or the group rather that that uh, gives feedback on our HR and recruiting um, both techniques and the radius that we use um, to reach out to potential employees and that uh, for engineers or anyone coming into one of the technical disciplines within Michelin now has to have a programming in their background. I, I don't, and so uh, th that's that's something I'm 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 digging into and learning on my from myself. But the book also highlights that, and we're actually doing that in real time. So that's a real that's that that's that's something that's tangible um, right now. And so Great. other than that, I'm Pete, excited I to read Industries book. of Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off. I am excited to read Industries of the Future, and that's made it to the top of the list for me. I will dig into that. I want to I want to ask you one quick question. I know we, I said I was wrapping up. I do want to ask you one quick question. You mentioned data being the natural resource of the 21st century. I know that's a fact. I've been thinking about and and learning more about big data. You talk about Michelin as it's a data company, as if you got a bunch of servers and chips, which you probably do. But you know, the bottom line is you're you're you make tires, and so right. I know that Michelin is a data company. But can you share with us? more very quickly about um, about why you why you feel that way well they it's, it's, it's beaten into every discipline in the organization there's nothing they use the adages all over the walls that that you can't change what you can't measure so everything is measured from errors in the tire to the all, all of the, the the product that that's used scrapped reworked um, all of the the metrics that go into the tire design, which by the way is extremely complex. I'm not. I it, I have I have no interest in going over there. <laughs> Those guys are they. It is a it is a a, a, a very um, um, technical group that has many many years of experience, and the company is using uh, all different kinds of algorithms and big data to reach out and touch the customer. And I'm talking about all the way to the end user, which is unique because Michelin traditionally has stopped. Um, uh, at the at the distribution centers uh, or going to the wholesaler. So now we're through through technology and digitalization, um, reaching out 
and and getting to and getting to that to that that parent trend like you said putting putting some Michelins on your on your kid's car so that is what I mean by that but um, at every level Pete at at, uh, at how we run the business we call it managing daily performance how that that is the system we use to run every facet of the business every piece of that system in a and we call it safety machine delivery quality and standard every piece of that is all built on metrics and data and without it uh, we wouldn't be able to get the kind of change that we make and we also wouldn't be able to achieve the high quality standards that are expected of every Michelin product fascinating it really is and and you know I'm, I've taken I guess I said it taken a ton of notes you can't change what you can't measure that's the truth and whatever you're going to do be great at it boy those are, I'm gonna I'm gonna dwell on those I'm gonna go pick up an industry of the future been a great dialogue. I know it's been a short dialogue. We've covered tons of ground. I feel like a lot of what you've contributed in this call is going to be extremely beneficial, giving insight to what you do, giving insight into manufacturing and production, talking a little bit about how some of the functions fit into what you're doing on a day-to-day. -day. So, Mike, great conversation. Really appreciate Thanks, the time. Pete. Really appreciate the support. Oh, any, any time, really. Any time. All right. Take care. Thanks, Mike. Okay. Bye.